There are a few things today that will catch you off guard, so we're going to quickly point them out. Um, there is an indigenous version of the Lord's Prayer included in your bulletin. When we do the prayers of the people, it's followed by an indigenous version of the Lord's Prayer taken from the New Zealand Prayer Book. And the hymn, after the sermon, the words are in your bulletin, and the song, the hymn is sung to the tune of O Danny Boy, better known to the organists as the Londonderry tune. Okay? The Confession of Faith is the first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism, and it's found in the Green Hymnal, page 176. It's not sung, it's simply spoken but it's included in there, okay? Other than that, I don't think there's anything uh, too surprising. Let's, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Almighty God, you pour out the spirit of grace and supplication on all who desire it. Deliver us from cold hearts and wandering thoughts this morning, that with steady minds and burning zeal we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. On this beautiful sunny morning of the Feast of Transfiguration of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. The peace of Christ be with you. Let's stand and share a sign of peace with each other. We're called to worship by the word of God. Our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. God calls to the heavens and to the earth and invites the faithful to gather. The heavens declare God's righteousness, and earth sings God's praise. Come, let us worship the Lord. When life changes before our eyes and what was once doom and gloom becomes hope and joy, what are we supposed to do but be amazed before so great a God as this who still acts on our behalf? Let us pray. Holy God, you are so far beyond our understanding. Your glory is more than we can comprehend. We persist in making you too small. We restrict your wisdom and mercy to what we can explain. Forgive us. Open our eyes to your infinite splendor and make us more faithful, that we may follow in trust wherever you lead. true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
To all who have received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Therefore, in Christ, we stand forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so let us see. we come to the reading of God's word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts, let us lift them to the Lord our God. O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain, grant to us that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, One God forever and ever. Amen. The first lesson is the word of the Lord from 2 Kings, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Elisha succeeds Elijah the prophet. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, 
You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. This is the word of the Lord. The gospel lesson comes to us from Mark chapter 9 and speaks of the transfiguration on the mount. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were both talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The last face of Jesus that I would like us to look at today is Jesus the man. And I choose a text that is probably the most difficult text in which to see his manhood. But I did so because I wanted you to see that in the very midst of what is in Jesus' ministry and in the New Testament, one of the most glorious moments outside of the resurrection itself is this transfiguration on the mount. The three disciples who were with Jesus are so taken back that they are terrified, it says. But that is a key line to this entire text. Because notice that when Jesus' robe is changed and when Elijah, Elijah and Moses appear and the disciples begin to, re to respond, what does Jesus say? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He does not know what to say. As Christians, we tend to think of Jesus as God. And God knows everything. God is God. And what our tendency is, is to lean towards the heresy of the early church to make Jesus so much God that he's not human. In the midst of one of the most supernatural moments 
in the life of the disciples and in the ministry of Jesus before the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension, during his ministry, in the midst of it, is this transfiguration on the mount, and Jesus himself, it says, does not know how to respond. Why? Why is that the case? Because Jesus, you see, is still just a man. A man who happens to be Jewish, a man who happens to be called by God to do something that God wants him to do. Jesus cannot interpret what's happening. He doesn't know. He has no idea what to tell them. It is God who interrupts, takes away Moses and Elijah and says, this is my beloved. Listen to him. Those words are just as much spoken to Jesus as they were to Peter and the other disciples. It is a struggle for us to believe because of the miracles, because of all of the, the weight of what we place on Jesus. To deal with the fact that Jesus was, in fact, a 100% human being. Jesus cried. Jesus felt sadness, joy, happiness. Jesus felt the persecution, the frustration, the anger. Remember the cleaning of the temple. He was a man chosen by God. And his manhood is not simply something that you and I have to believe. It is the reality out of which Jesus himself ministers. It is as much a struggle for Jesus as it is for you and me to understand and believe that every time we reach out our hand to heal or to feed or to clothe or to help, we are the Christ in this world. That is why we were given that title by the believers in Antioch. Little Christians, little Christs, the understanding that we as human beings are the presence of Christ in this world is a reality that we need to understand and assume. I was impressed this past week with a comment that I, I read about what it means for us to understand being Christians in our world. A professor from uh, Bethany Seminary tells this story. A few years ago, he writes, a, a female student wanted to visit with me about some difficulties she was having, mainly with her family life. And as is my practice, we walked around the campus as we talked. 
After talking for some time about her family situation, we turned to other areas of her life. When she reached spiritual matters, we had the following exchange. She said, I need to spend more time working on my relationship with God. I responded, why would you want to do that? Startled, she says, what do you mean? Well, why would you want to spend any time at all on working on your relationship with God? Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Let me answer by asking, can you think of anyone right now to whom you need to apologize? Anyone you've wronged? Anyone you've let down? Anyone you've forgotten to express gratitude to? She thinks and answers, yes. Well, why don't you give them a call today and ask their forgiveness? That might be a better use of your time than working on your relationship with God. He goes on to comment. Now, obviously, I was being a bit provocative with this student. And I did go on to clarify, but I was trying to push back on a strain of Christianity that I see in both my students and the larger Christian culture. Specifically, when someone says, I need to work on my relationship with God, I knew exactly what she meant. It meant praying more. It meant getting up earlier to study the Bible, starting to go back to church, going to prayer meeting, including the Sunday morning service, things along those lines. And the goal of all of these activities is to get closer to God. Of course, he writes, please hear me. Nothing is wrong with any of those activities, and I would encourage all of them. Personal acts of piety and devotion are vital to a vibrant spiritual life. But all too often, he writes, working on our relationship with God has almost nothing to do with trying to become a more decent human being. I'm going to say that one one more time. But all too often, working on my relationship with God has almost nothing to do with trying to become a more decent human being. How do we become better Christians? How do we become more spiritually minded Christians? How can we become spiritually mature? Do we need to go to seminary to do that? Do we need to take courses on how to pray or how to study the Bible or how to lead worship? Do we need a title like elder or deacon or domine? How is it that we are supposed to be Christians in this world? In the midst of Jesus' ministry, he didn't have the answer to that question. In the midst of one of the most glorious moments of his life on this earth, Jesus is speechless. Why? Because he doesn't get it yet. And neither did the disciples. Being God in this world means being fully human in this world. That is the truth of the true God, true man. 
All of us. All of us in being truly Christian, must be truly human. And that is all wrapped up then, you see, in the two very basic tenets of being human. Loving God with all our heart and mind and soul and loving our fellow man and woman as ourselves. Lots of Christians struggle or ask, why Moses and Elijah? Why did those two happen to show up on the mount with Jesus? Because one of the major questions the disciples are struggling with throughout Jesus' ministry is, is this the Messiah? Is this the end, the, 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 the culmination of the years of the law and the prophets? Is Jesus both the fulfillment of the Torah and the fulfillment of the prophetic role within the community of faith. And the two meeting with Jesus on the mount demonstrate to the disciples, yes, but that's not enough. The spirit of the living God lives in each of us, but knowing that is not enough. Our genuine transformation from being just human beings to being Christians who are human beings is understanding that being truly human is what God asks of us. And whatever that means for you is what God expects of you as a Christian. All the other things, worship, going to church, praying, spiritual disciplines, which we'll look at during Lent, Bible study, voting Republican or Democrat, going to spiritual retreats, reading religious books, sending your children to Christian school, using religious language, avoiding R-rated movies. Whatever your rules are for what your piety is, it all boils down to this simple point. Will you be kind to your neighbor? Will you help a neighbor who's down and out? Will you be thoughtful and generous? Will you be there when someone needs you? Those are the simple questions that will define your piety, your life in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, in our desire to be transformed and to be Christ-like, grant us the grace to understand that being 100% of who we are is to be who you intend us to be in Christ. Give us actions and words, attitudes and convictions that align with the simple basics that you have asked of us to love you first and to love everyone else as ourselves. We ask this in the name of Christ who loves us 
and gave himself for us. Amen. And let us confess our faith using the words of the first and second question, the first answer and question of the Heidelberg Catechism. What is our only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and bless you for the opportunity to give and to share of our abundance with each other and with our community for the sake of your kingdom. Bless these gifts and those who give to the glory of him who loves us and gave himself for us. Join, me, join with me, please, in the prayer found in your bulletin. Together praying, let us say, Eternal Spirit, Earth Maker, Pain Bearer, Life Giver, Source of all that is and that shall be, Father and Mother of us all, Loving God, in whom is heaven, the hallowing of your name echo through the universe. The way of your justice be followed by the peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, strengthen us. From trials too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Amen. There are announcements in your bulletin. I simply want to emphasize that this coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the Lenten season. There will be a noontime imposition of ashes here in the sanctuary uh, in conjunction with Rutgers Protestant Campus Ministry. And then at 7.30 on Wednesday evening here in the sanctuary, all four of the collegiate churches of Greater New Brunswick will be celebrating imposition of ashes again here in the sanctuary. Um, The time is 7.30 and choir practice, anyone who wants to sing for the choir anthem during the service, that practice begins at 6.30. Okay, not 6 o'clock, 6.30. Okay. On February 26th, the last Sunday of the month, is the annual cookie sale for the celebration of our birthday this month. Uh, By the way, I want to thank you, Kathleen, for our birthday party last week. That was fun, and, and all of us enjoyed just being able to celebrate. Thank you for all that you did for that. Appreciate it. 
Um, remembering that the first Sunday of each month as we take communion is now our Benevolence Fund Sunday, where the offering, special offering, is taken up. Um, those envelopes will be available, but we will also be telling you uh, as we go along how that fund develops and how it is being used for the mission of the church. During the Lenten season, instead of the soup and bread suppers during the midweek, what we're trying to do is start the interchurch ecumenical group again in New Brunswick, and we're doing that by having Sunday evening services from 6 to 8 that include a meal. Um, the first of these will be February 26, next Sunday, at Canterbury House, and you'll see the schedule in your bulletin. It begins with a meal time. There's like a 10-15 minute devotion, and then there's a program that comes afterward that has something to do with food and food ministry. Okay? Uh, one week, they'll we'll be watching a, f- a, a movie, a video about food. Uh, there'll be another week when, we're, when uh, Lizanne Finston will be talking to us about the ministry of Elijah's promise, a little bit of its history and what its, its vision is and goals are. Um, each Sunday evening, something special at each of the churches uh, on the list in New Brunswick. And they are asking that we RSVP, so if you are interested in going... Uh, please simply let Kathy know, drop her an email or me an email so that we can get a count of how many folks from our congregation might be going on Sunday evening services. We want to thank everyone who contributed to the Camp Warwick Fund for our our, uh, young people. We collected $242, uh, and there were members also who gave $90 uh, towards the fee, and so we've completely covered the cost of sending those young, young folks to Warwick. They had a great weekend, I believe. Did you not? Yes? Okay, good. All right. And um, we want to uh, thank God for that as well. Let's uh, stand to sing. We are just human. So let's be human and may the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with us in our humanness into this world. Till Christ returns for us in glory and then forever. And all God's people said.